Morning Ramp Church, what a season we are in. You know something I've noticed about seasons like this, and well really kind of all of life, is how easy it is to go through a season and not realize where you've been and what you've learned along the way. So before I get into my message, I actually wanted us to pause and look back at what I feel like is has the potential to be one of the most transformative seasons we've ever been through as a community as a, and as a church. Um, in the middle of this season, I, I, I got the idea that I want us to even change the language in the way we talk about the teaching series that we do here at Ramp Church. We've always called them series, but I really feel like when we teach and, and, and preach here at Ramp Church, it's so much more than just a teaching series. But because of the way you respond and you lean into our messages through our home groups, through your own personal life, I'm getting mes- messages and testimonies from you about the way um, that, that what, we're, what we're speaking about and discussing at Ramp Church is affecting your life. For me, it's less of just something that's being taught and it's more a chapter in the story of Ramp Church. And we know that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's authoring all of our stories. He's authoring your story individually, our stories collectively. And maybe you're new to the Ramp Church community. Well, your story's begun to be written into, maybe there's a couple sentences right now that have your name in it in the Ramp Church story. So we're, we're gonna start calling our series here at Ramp Church chapters. And it's not just a language change. I want this to see, wait a second, what happens when we lean in as a community to to every new teaching series that we do? And it's not just something that I'm listening to, but this is a new chapter that's being written in the story of my life, in the story of our community, of our faith family, and therefore in the story of our city of Manchester and, and, and the nation as a whole. And when we start to adopt these seasons, these chapters that God is taking us through, I believe that it's gonna have a transformative effect on our life. And I wanna talk about the last chapter that we're just coming out of, and it's called the peace chapter. Maybe you remember it, the peace chapter. Can you believe there were nine messages inside the peace chapter? And that doesn't even touch all the little Zoom meetings that we had in between midweek Zooms and after service Zoom hangouts and conversations on Friday nights that we had in prayer meetings. This has been a significant chapter and we've we've even had some messages since this ended. But I just wanted to really quickly go through with you to celebrate some of the things that we discussed through the peace chapter, but I, but also maybe to spur you on to go, ooh, maybe I need to go go back and revisit some of those themes. So nine parts. If you remember, we talked about what does it look like to, to pattern our life around the life of Jesus that we're not just meant to, to, to listen to his teachings, but, but our lives are meant to be patterned after his example and how transformative that is in the example of having rest of having margin in our lives, of living simply and, and, and trusting Him to, to supply all of our needs. And I wanna tell you, Ramp Church, I feel that this is one of the most important messages that we've ever preached and that we've ever discussed as a faith family. So if you need to be reminded of what it looks like when Stacy talked about the pace of peace, of staying in step with Jesus, the pace of patience, and that we can find peace when we pattern our lives after Jesus. Uh, Talked about simplicity, peace between us. Uh, Lauren Bentley talked to to us about overcoming fear, such a powerful message. And then the peace chapter really was was capped off talking about how do we have peace among us um, in Four Urgent Responses to Racism and How to Unlock Hope in Startling Racism with Mike Amini. I I just wanna encourage you to go back and listen to those. And through lockdown, we've launched so many different channels for you to stay connected to this content. And we've never talked about this on a Sunday morning, so I just thought this would be a good time to draw your attention to it. And here's some ways to stay connected. And the beautiful thing about it is you can subscribe to our channels for free. I mean, all, all this content is available for free. And so not just free for you, but free for anybody. So you need to share, share this stuff. Um, you can find it on our website. Every message that's preached is available at ramp.church slash MCR. YouTube, youtube.com slash rampchurchmcr. Do you see a trend there? Rampchurchmcr. Uh, podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's actually available on every podcast 
platform. So if you're one of the few people that likes to listen to your podcast on Google, hey, it's available there too, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All you have to do is search Ramp Church Manchester. And so subscribe. You can subscribe wherever you're, you're actually watching this video now. You can click like, share, subscribe. And that's going to be a way where the content just comes straight to you. You don't even have to leave the comfort of your own um, inbox. It just comes straight to you. And so there you go. Subscribe for free. Stay connected. And these chapters, I, I genuinely believe Ramp Church. Um, as we move into the next chapter, it's important for us to look back and go, ooh, what did God do in my life in the previous chapter? And then in, in the coming days, we're going to announce our next chapter and what that looks like for us at Ramp Church and how we're going to lean in to that. So thanks for staying connected. It's going gonna, it's gonna to benefit all of us. So now today, I'm going to talk about, um, I'm gonna talk about something that I think is, is going to be really impacting for you. It certainly has been for me um, as I've been studying this and, and looking at what this means for us as a community. This season, if it's anything, has been a storm, hasn't it? Um, it's been a time where um, it's felt chaotic, it's felt uncertain, we've felt, felt uncertain at times. Um, there's certainly been um, a lack of clarity, a lack of understanding what's going on of the future, and even the people that's, that you generally expect to be in the know, uh, whether they're government officials or medical officials or whoever, don't really even have answers. And so that, that has been a trying time for us. But I, I spoke about early on in lockdown in a message called Three Win-Wins in Suffering Seasons how there can actually be wins in seasons that shake us. And James Aladrin spoke about this last Sunday when he talked about we can actually find glory in our threshing floors, that although it's, it's seasons of challenge that, that God didn't initiate, God can still use seasons of challenge for your good and for my good, that he can pull ben something beneficial out of it for you, for our families, for our communities and our cities. And I believe that we can actually find hope in the middle of seasons like this. And so I'm gonna read um, some, some passages that can kind of set the framework for the rest of my message. And then I have a little kind of a, a self-evaluation quiz that's way more fun than it, than it just sounds when you use the word quiz. And then I'm going to talk about some kind of alternatives um, to, to the hope that God wants to give us. But then I'm going to finish our message talking about um, some really keys to, to finding hope in this season that I think are going to be huge for you. So you want to stick around to the end. Uh, we'll pray together at the end and... Uh, and see what God has to say for us. So let's look at this, Matthew chapter number seven. This is Jesus speaking to his followers, one of his most popular messages. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Through the rain come, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Powerful phrase, because it's built on bedrock. Some of us have even felt like our houses maybe are on the verge of collapsing in this season. But I want to tell you, if you're watching this morning, there's hope. There's hope. God's brought you into, into this, this community of faith because he wants to speak hope into your life. Look at the next part of this. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I love the fact that Jesus would teach us about what's gonna last in a storm before we even get to the storm. You see, God's intention towards us is that he wants us to be strong enough to, to handle and to hold whatever life would throw at us. He's not wanting you to fail today. He, he, he's, not, he's not trying to see, mm, I have a scorecard here. I just want to see if they miss it or if they, if they mess up. So, because when people fail, I, I, you know, I'm into that. That's not God's heart towards us. He's actually trying to give us instructions about how to be wise to build our lives on firm foundations. But this is a principle we can learn from what Jesus just taught. All of us have built our life on something. And I want to tell you today, your life is built on something. And you go, maybe, maybe you've stumbled onto the service today and you're going, you know what, I'm not even really into the faith thing. 
I just want to tell you, whether you're into faith or God or religion or whatever, your life is, is, is sitting on something. It's sitting on your own efforts. It's sitting on some sort of philosophy. It's sitting on something. Is your life sitting on something that's firm? And one of the gifts of seasons like the one we're in is that it actually shows us what our lives are sitting on. Because in times of crisis, things get revealed. And this principle, this next principle is so important. Times of hardship, they actually reveal our foundation. And maybe the two houses that Jesus is, 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 is metaphorically talking about on, on a beach there, um, one's on sand, one's, one's on stone, maybe you couldn't tell what they were built on until the storm came. But once the storm came, you knew what that life was built on. And I, and I want to tell you today, for, for you and I, um, in this season of crisis, in this season of hardship, some things are getting revealed. They are. They're getting revealed. Some footing is getting revealed. And for some of us, it's just been uncomfortable. Actually, for all of us, it's been uncomfortable on some level. But some of us have felt completely unstable, like our world is falling apart. And I want to tell you, let, let that be a revelation to you of maybe my foundation isn't as sure as I thought it was. Maybe I'm trying to build my life on something that's not quite stable. Um, but it's important for you to understand in all of this, look at this next thought, is that there's no, there's no shame in seeing our faulty foundations. It's, this isn't a shameful thing. It can be a gift. This season can actually be a gift for you to realize, whoa, I thought that invest, those investments were stable. I thought that business was stable. I thought that relationship was immovable in my life. I thought that my status or those opportunities that I'd been given, I thought that those were immovable. But something about this season of crisis where overnight everything kind of changes, I realized that foundation maybe isn't on something that's firm. Maybe it's not on God, the one who, who is authoring and finishing my faith. Maybe it's on something that's temporal and changing and can be affected by storms. And that is not a shameful thing. That's a beautiful discovery. One more verse I think sets, sets, the, sets the tone for what we're gonna talk about today, and that's in Hebrews chapter six. So God has given both his promise and his oath. Do you know that God's given you a promise and an oath? God's promised you. I think most of the time we think about faith, we think, oh, it's, a, it's about me making promises to God and keeping them. I wanna tell you, all of that is built on top of promises and oaths that God has made to you. God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible. I'm gonna unpack that a bit later on in the message. But therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge, we can have great confidence. If you flee to God today, if you run to God, you can have great confidence. Why? Because we hold to hope. I want to tell you, one of, one of the things on my heart, one of the passions of my heart today for you is that you find hope today. Maybe, maybe in other facets of your life, things just don't look hopeful. Things seem that they're falling apart. There's just, there's just nothing that seems to be holding up under the weight of life. I want to tell you, by the end of today's message, you're going to find something to hold on to in hope. We hold to the hope that lies before us. There is hope in front of you. And what is this hope? This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inter-sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. And this is the principle that we can learn from, from that verse is this next one. Hope is the anchor of your soul. Hope is the anchor of your soul. And maybe you felt tossed back and forth by the waves of, of this storm but you can, put, you can put anchors down in the middle of the storm and the circumstances don't change, but hope on the inside of you changes. And that changes everything. Hope on the inside of you changes. So this is the title of my message, How to Connect to Life-Changing Hope. How to Connect to Life-Changing Hope. Um, I, I don't have a reputation as being that great of a driver. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a distracted driver, shall we say. 
Um, I, I kind of enjoy looking at the things outside of the windows and scenery and buildings much more than I care about actually looking at the road ahead of me. So recently I was on a business trip and had to rent a car and the car had a like automatic thing where it steered you inside of the lane. I don't know, I, that was amazing. It was like life-changing to me because it actually enabled my distraction, which was just beautiful. But one of the greatest inventions is the crash test for cars because it gives me hope that they crashed this exact model of car a hundred times with a dummy in it before a real person sat in it. And is anybody thankful for crash tests? Because they can figure out how do we need to stabilize this vehicle so that it doesn't hurt a real human when we start to sell it. And I think in many ways, Jesus's instruction in Matthew chapter seven was a type of crash test. He's going, hey, storms will come, but let me tell you what's gonna make sure you endure the, the crash of the storm, and I'm gonna give you a crash test. And I have today a hope test for you that's, that's meant to crash test your own life. It's meant to look at what perhaps are, am I hoping in? What are my hopes resting on? And I can see then if that thing is actually stable to carry me through a storm. So there are, there are three things that are part of this hope test, hope crash test. And the first one is this. This is the first question that you're going to ask. I want you to ask yourself, where do you go when things get tough? Where's the first place you run to? When things get hard in life, do you, where, do you, where do you run? Do you, do you run, some people run to the bottom of a bottle. Some people run to a bottle of pills. Some people run to an affair. Some people run to entertainment. Some people binge. They binge watch, they binge buy, they binge eat. We run to so many different places and it's not all bad. Some of us run to holidays or we run to, to, to work. Those aren't bad things, but maybe that's not what you wanna build your hope on. You know what I'm saying? Well, what, where do you go when things get tough? Is there a one friend or family member like that is the person you always call every time things get tough? And some of those things aren't bad, but some of those things aren't enduring through the storms life is throwing at us, especially in seasons like this. And I wanna tell you, here's, here's some people in the Bible who experienced those storms, and let me see how they. Let me show you how they responded. Look at Psalms forty-two, verse five. Why are you cast down, O my soul? This is somebody talking to him. This is the self-talk. If I could crawl inside your mind, <laughs> what's your self-talk today? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. Put your put your hope on firm foundation. For I, this is what this is speaking to himself. I shall again praise him. Well, how can they say that? Because I will be in a place if I'm hoping in God where I can praise him again. I may not feel that, I can, that praise can come from my current situation, but he will bring me out. Look at this in Proverbs 18.10. I love this verse. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. And this is what the righteous, this is what the godly friends of God do. They run to it when they're in trouble. The righteous run to it and are safe. Where do you run when life gets tough. That's, that's gonna be a sign in our hope quiz of where your hopes really rest. I wanna tell you, you can be somebody that the first place you run to is God. The first place you want, run to is the only one who can really sustain you through these situations. Look at this in Lamentations chapter two. Rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him in prayer, pleading. I'm gonna tell you, Ramp Church, he is a safe place to run to in times of trouble. Here's the second thing to ask yourself in the hope quiz. What do you most fear losing? What do you most fear losing? Now, these are just reflective questions for you to identify. Is what my life built on, is it stable? Can it carry me? What do you most fear losing? Status? Financial security, so maybe some of you watching have seen investments go down in this time of economic downturn and there's not, things aren't looking good in the, in, in the future even, in the next coming months or, or even years. Well, what has that done to your hope life? What's that done to, to, to your own vision of the future? What do you most fear losing? Maybe it's a relationship. Uh, as I was thinking through this hope quiz, I was reminded of two contrasting kings in Israel's history, King Saul and King David. 
And at one point in King Saul's journey, he, he had a massive failure. Um, God gave him specific instructions to do as king, and he didn't do them, just blatantly, flat out disobeyed. And the prophet came to him and corrected him and said, hey, you didn't obey. And I want to show you Saul's response, and then I want to show you King David's response to a similar type situation. Here's how Saul responded to the prophet when he corrected him. Then Saul pleaded with the prophet again, I know I've sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Saul's biggest concern after his sinning was that he still looked good in front of his leaders and in front of people. This is what he most feared losing in his time of need. In in Saul's time of crisis, his greatest fear was losing his image in front of people. And eventually he, 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 he could not stand in the place of being king because his hopes weren't built on something eternal. Let's look at the way David responded to his own failure. This is what he said. He cried out to God and said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. What do you most fear losing? Whatever you most fear losing is probably where your hopes are built. Make sure that those hopes are a firm foundation. The third thing I want you to look at in in this hope quiz is when you picture your best future, it has to include fill in the blank. What does your best future have to include? Does it have to include a certain house, a certain neighborhood, a certain job? What is it? What does your best future always have to include when you think, when you envision yourself in the future? I love what the psalmist says about this. Look, Psalms 139.5. I look behind me and God, you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. Look at Psalm 142.5. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Now, I'm not saying it's not, it's, it's bad to want other things. I, you know, I have a family, of course, I love dearly. Children I love dearly. And, and I, I, I have a desires for their future. I have desires for all of our future. And I want God to be in, in, in the mix of that. And I want them to, to have successful, thriving, flourishing lives. But what is essential for my future is that God's the foundation of everything we do, that he's the center of our lives. He's the center of, of everything I imagine and envision for the future. And that's, that's essential for making sure that your hopes are on firm ground. Look at 1 John 5, 21 really summates this, this hope quiz. And this is what, this is my heart for you, Ramp Church. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. I just wanna make sure, this is what I wanna make sure for, for you, Ramp Church. And this is how you can ensure you have life-changing hope in difficult seasons, is that God is seated in his rightful place in your life that he's there in the middle. And maybe you've just stumbled upon this stream or maybe you've been catching up with Ramp Church services online and you've never made the decision to put Jesus in the center of your life. This is such a great time. And the Bible Bible says repent, and that just means turn away from my past life, turn towards God and say yes to him. And that's the invitation for all of us today to get our hope on solid ground. So hopefully that hope quiz was enlightening to you. May, you know, there's probably some things that you found out that you're excited about, some things maybe that not so excited about. And, um, but I hope you took some notes. Hope you're, you, you got a little revelation on what your life is resting on. But I want to show you, there are two things that I want to highlight that sometimes we choose instead of hope. And then I'm going to get to what actually, uh, how we actually find hope in our life. So instead of hope, We choose often a couple things in life. And I'm gonna hit these real quickly. The first one is this. We choose pessimism. And pessimism is the idea that there's no reason to hope. It's it's almost giving up on the idea that should I even be hopeful in life? You know, there's no reason to even look ahead. The best you can hope for in life is just to do the best with what you have. It's just the idea to just give up. On, on some level. And sometimes we, we like, we like to, to think that as pessimists, we're more realists. We like to think of it that way. I'm, I'm not a pessimist, I'm just a realist. Life is just tough. You know, life is tough, but that doesn't mean we have to give up on hope. 
There is, there is hope that we can have and that God can give you in the middle of life that, that, that there is a belief that things can get better. So the, the first thing that we choose oftentimes instead of hope is pessimism. It's cynicism or skepticism or sometimes proofism is, is where I'm not going to believe in or trust in it unless I can prove a hundred percent that it's, that it is irrefutable. And here's what I found about this stance is oftentimes it's more about us controlling life than it is about us not believing that things can be hoped in. We would rather control a, me- a mediocre future than have hope and risk our, our expectations on, on hoping for a beautiful future. And I want to tell you that sometimes the releasing of control and giving over to God is the best decision you can make. Is it risky for your heart sometimes? Yeah, because, because I, I always feel it's risky when I'm not in control of life. But if, if you just want to hold what you can only control, you'll never, you'll never be able to walk in what God alone can produce. And that's, that's, that's the hope that he has for us is when we, can, when we can put our life, I know it's tough, but when we can put our life into his hands, we'll all of a sudden walk into something that only he can create. Now, some of us aren't pessimists, but this, this is gonna surprise some of you, but I actually think that sometimes instead of genuine hope, we actually don't choose pessimism, we choose optimism. And optimism is, the, is, the, is often less about hope and more about wishful thinking. I'll tell you when I exercise optimism or wishful thinking is when I'm in traffic. And it's like, for some reason, I talk to every other driver as if they can hear me. And I think that for some reason, if I'm sitting in traffic and I'm in my heart wishing with everything in me, with every cell in my body, please go faster, please go faster. It's like actually going to affect the speed of traffic. Like that's optimism. That's not hope. I'm just believing the best of the situation. And sometimes this actually replaces hope Optimism is the enemy to hope, not because it removes the ground for hope, like pessimism does, but by replacing true hope with a false substitute. Maybe you just hate negative emotions. Maybe you just hate bad news. Well, that, that's not hope. That's, that's optimism. You just hate thinking about bad things or the option of bad stuff. Maybe I feel like I can't handle bad news. Pessimism can't see God because it rejects solutions full stop, but optimism can't see God because it rejects the problem. And I want to tell you, God's hope is only going to come when we can recognize there is an issue, there is a problem, and sometimes us in the church as Christians, we're the worst at replacing genuine faith, genuine hope with optimism. We don't, don't even say I'm sick. Don't even say that there's a, that there's a financial deficit. Don't even look at it. Just think good, happy thoughts. And I want to tell you, resurrection doesn't come to good, happy thoughts. Resurrection comes to dead things. And some of you are trying to sustain sick things in your life with optimism, but God won't raise sick things. He only raises dead things. And what you need to do is you need to let optimism die on the, fi- on the fire of the altar of God and in the presence of God, in the, in the presence of God's truth, because inside that altar, what you're going to find instead of optimism is hope. Hope that stands up strong and stares in the face of defeat and death and negative news and says, my God has a different word. Hope is not the denial of bad things. It's not wishful thinking. It's looking in the middle of bad things and believing God will pull his promises out of any situation, even the one I'm standing in. That is hope. And that's the difference between wishful thinking and optimism and genuine hope, the hope that God wants to give you today, the anchor of your soul that God wants to connect you to today. Look at this verse, James 1, 2 through 4. See, when you have optimism, you miss promises like this. You miss the process that God's wanting to do in your life. Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and 
and complete, lacking in nothing. See, God will never make you perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, as long as you deny that there is a problem, as long as you deny that this is a struggle, as long as you deny that your finances are running dry right now, or your health isn't where it should be, or your mental, your, your mental state isn't what God's promised. As long as you have wishful thinking or the power of positive thought, it's never going to get you into a place of maturity. But when you recognize, I have a need that only God can meet, you've all of a sudden created a seedbed for faith to grow. And when you, when you recognize I have a need and the only person who can solve this is not the power of my positive thinking or the best self-help book in Waterstone's bookstore. It is the fact that I have a need and God himself through his word and with his strong right arm can meet my need in the middle of this situation. That is where hope is birthed. That's where you're going to find Jesus. And some of you had, had trouble finding him because you're trying to keep yourself positive. You're trying to keep yourself thinking straight. I want to tell you, when God comes in, everything changes. And you will never get to perfect and complete lacking nothing by thinking good thoughts. You will only get there when the Holy Spirit steps through the doors of your heart and says, I'm taking over here. This is where I live. This is where I reside. So now I want to get into four different types of hope. I'm calling them hot spots of life changing hope. Now I, I travel a decent amount. And one of the things that you always want when you're traveling, um, yeah, hashtag modern probs are Wi-Fi hotspots. And I remember one time somebody was driving, I was speaking at a church. And um, I had gotten out of the church kind of late. We went to the airport, so trying to catch my plane. And in such, such a hurry, I left my phone in the car of the person who was dropping me off. I got all my other bags and walked into the airport, and I pulled to reach my phone out to get my boarding pass and stuff, and it's not there. Well, my phone is in the car of the person that just dropped me off, but I don't have a phone, so how do I contact the person that just dropped me off? And I'm like, oh my goodness, what do I do? Well, somehow I, I thought, wait a second, I have another device, but that I can send him a message on through this other device. Well, what do you need as soon as you break out another device? You need a Wi-Fi hotspot. So the next thing I'm doing is I'm running around with this device in front of the check-in counter at the airport trying to find a Wi-Fi hotspot. Why? Because when you're connected to a Wi-Fi hotspot, all of a sudden connection becomes seamless. And I want to tell you that you can be, you can first of all find a hot spot of hope in this season where you feel disconnected from God. You feel disconnected from answers. You can find a hot spot. And second, you can actually be a hot spot. You can be someone in that in your world, people know if I connect there, I can find hope in this season. And there, so I want to talk about four ways, four sources of hope for you in this season. And this is the first source of hope. Uh, and I'm, this is what I'm calling it. He said it, hope. He's said it, hope. Because there's hope you can have that's birthed out of remembering God has said he's gonna do it. If you're wanting to look for how do I find hope in this season? Where's the hot spot I connect to? You need to look through all the different hotspots you can connect to in this season, and you need to find where's the he's said it hotspot. Where's the he's said it hope? Do you know that in this Bible, there are over 7,000 promises about your life and about my life? 7,000. Do you remember the verse I read at the beginning of this message that said, it's impossible for God to lie? It's amazing. I, you know, As a pastor, people ask me, you know, if God's God, what can he do? Is there anything God can't do? You know, can God create a rock that's too big for him to lift? You know, people, people ask silly questions. And they ask, is there anything that's impossible? I want to tell you, there's something God can't do. It's impossible for him to do. He can't lie. God can't lie. He can't be God and lie. God can't be God and do evil. God can't be God and do something that's contrary to his own nature. If God's given you a promise, by very nature, he cannot deny the thing he said to you. God cannot lie. This is a, this is a hot spot of hope. He's, I call it, he's said it, hope. Here is what 
Here's what um, Matthew records about, uh, about the word of God. Heaven and earth will disappear. Jesus said this. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. I want to tell you, if God has given you a word, either personally spoken to you in your, in your spirit through the mouth of someone else or, the, or one of the 7,000 in this book, he, if he said it, he's going to do it. It's who he is. He doesn't have any other option. He can't lie. It's who he is. If God said it, his word will never disappear. His word will never disappear. It's what he has said about you. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Jesus Christ. And so through him, the amen or the so be it is spoken by us to the glory of God. You know, this is even some instructions for you. When you hear a promise from God, God's already said in Jesus, when you're in Jesus, that promise is yes. If you're not in Jesus, then the decision is, let me put my life into Jesus. Because you can't experience His promises outside of relationship with Him. Outside of living and abiding with Jesus. So if you've yet to make that decision, make that decision to get in Christ. Hide your life in Christ. Put yourself in Christ. Put your identity in Him. Put your hopes in Him. Shift from shifting sand. Put your foundation on solid rock, which is Christ. But once you are in Christ, your response to these promises is amen. So be it. So here's what I want you to do when you're walking around your home and you're, you're looking at the things that don't seem like they've happened yet. You, you need to connect to he's said it, hope. And, 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 and what comes out of your mouth? Amen. So be it. He's done it. He's already done it. He said it and he can't lie. And what, what, what do you start to feel? You start to feel hope start to rise up inside of your spirit because you're connecting to he's said it, hope. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. For, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes and Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Do you know one of the reasons we have Sunday services is not because it's a religious churchy thing to do. It's because you need to be in, in a place where you're hearing the he's said it word over your life. You need to be tuned into here. You need to go back and look at our archives. Why? Not because it makes you a, 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 just this super duper Christian that gets a gold star at the end of the day. Because you need to connect to the hot spot of hope that's declaring what, has, what God has said over your life. You need to stay connected to the word of God. Number one, he's said it, hope. The, the second hot spot that I want you to connect to is the he's done it before hope. And when you don't remember that he said it, Sometimes you can start to, to remember, wait a second, I don't remember him saying specifically about this, this, this specific issue. I don't remember him giving me a promise, but I do know he's done it before. He, he has done this before. Do you know that the basis for all Christian hope is Jesus's resurrection? Do you realize Jesus defeated death itself? And I love that he defeated death and, and not some extremely scary, but less significant enemies like cancer. Very scary, but not as significant as death. Because after you defeat death, every other enemy that you come up against is a lesser enemy. And sometimes you need to take your he's done it before hope all the way back to, to the tomb of Jesus that is now empty. Uh, I, last summer I was speaking at a young adults retreat and I actually spoke on seasons of suffering and pain. At the end we did a Q&A and of course when you talk about suffering and pain, questions come up about God's existence. How can there be a good God in, 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 in light of pain and suffering? And we've spoken about that at Ramp Church. You can go back in the archives and, and look that up. But um, at one point, somebody, a question rose up about the existence of God and how, you know, proving God's existence or not proving God's existence. And, and my answer was, well, if you want to disprove the existence of, of Christianity or if you want to remove all the foundation for Christian hope and belief, uh, you just have to do one thing. If you just want to disprove Christianity, you have to do one thing. There's just one thing. You, you got to find the bones of Jesus and the whole thing falls apart. 
If you find his bones, if he didn't raise from the dead, then everything we're doing here is a waste. But you know what? For centuries, archaeologists have been searching for the bones of Jesus, and they've never been able to find him. Why? Because he didn't die and stay in the tomb. He died and rose again. <laughs> He's alive now. He had multiple eyewitnesses. The, 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 the birth of the church came from people that saw him firsthand raised from the dead. And then, then the movement of Christianity swept the globe because a man rose from the dead. You need he's done it before faith. I love these verses in Matthew, in this, uh, this verse in Matthew 69. Look at this. Jesus is saying to the disciples, don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember? The 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers you picked up. Do you know what Jesus is referencing here? The disciples were arguing about, oh, we forgot to bring lunch and Jesus is worried. And Jesus breaks into their conversation and goes, hey, you think I'm worried about whether we have food or not? Do you remember when there were 5,000 people that were hungry and I fed them just out of one small lunch? Here's what you need to do when you're needing hope. You need to connect to the hot spot of he's done it before hope. And remember, wait a second, that miracle was not a one-time event in my life. I need to be a student of the miracles of God. That when he's done it once, it, it teaches me that's the way he interacts with problems. That wasn't a one-off event, but when God interacts with problems, the way he interacts with it is the way he did it before, and he wants to do the same thing in my life. Look at this in Lamentations 3. This is the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Lamentations is aptly named. It is a book that is lamenting about the situation that the, that the is, uh, Israelite people were in. And this is the prophet who, in the middle of that lamentation, this is what he says. This is where he finds hope. Yet this I call to mind, or yet this I remember. He's connecting to, you've done it before hope. And therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And you know what? Sometimes, this is why we have uh, home groups at Ramp Church, because sometimes maybe you don't remember him doing something in your life, or maybe you're just new to faith and you don't have a whole lot of history with God. Somebody else telling their story about how God did it for them can build faith in your life. That can be your hot spot for hope when you're looking for he's done it before hope. It can be, whoa, I'm seeing God break through in their world in a way that is, it's, it's unexplainable. It's unexplainable except that God broke in. That's he's done it before hope, and that's how you're connecting to the hot spot. The third type of hope hotspot is he's already started hope. He's already started hope. Do you know that um, not only is God's word irrefutable and he will, he will fulfill what he said, but that he guarantees actually over your life that he's going to do, he's going to finish what he started. He's going to finish what he started. And how do we know he's even started? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Bible actually tells us about that. Look at, look at this in Ephesians chapter 1. The Spirit, say the Spirit, the Spirit is God's guarantee. You see, when you said yes to God, the Holy Spirit entered your life. He entered your life to change you from the inside out, to show you the way to God. Hebrews and Jeremiah say it this way, that at one point his law was written on tablets of stone, but God's, God's entered your life to start to write the law, the law of liberty on your, on your very heart. He's, gonna, he's taking your heart of stone and turning it into a heart of flesh. But the very fact that the Spirit of God lives in you and he's giving your whole being witness that you belong to God, that is a guarantee. That's God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he already has purchased us to be his own people. God's already purchased you. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Even when you're, when you're buying a property uh, in, in the natural, okay, um, they always ask for some sort of deposit to guarantee, I want this enough that I'm going to put enough money into this that you know I'm not walking. You know I'm going to finish paying for this because I've already put so much into it. That's what God was doing here. He gave his most valuable thing. He gave his spirit to you, and that spirit's a guarantee I'm going to finish what I started. I have started the work, and it is a guarantee that he will give us the inheritance. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 
God has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Jesus himself even said, it's better that I leave. I could stay here and build my ministry, but it's better that I leave because if I leave, I'm sending the Holy Spirit that is going to not just make sure that I'm a son of God, but every person my, my spirit gets into is a son and daughter of God. And that's a guarantee. I'm going to finish this, that at the end of all things, I'm going to make every wrong thing right. That's the promise of God. That's what Jesus' resurrection means, is that everything that's out of alignment in our world now If he doesn't do it in this life, he guarantees that he'll at least do it in eternity. That everything, God has all of eternity to make all wrong things right. And I promise in eternity, our life's going to feel like a breath. Wind is is what the Bible says. It's going to feel like a passing breeze compared to eternity. And everything that God's promised you is guaranteed to happen. How do we know that? Because he's already given Jesus and he's already raised Jesus from the dead and then he gave, he gave you his spirit as a guarantee that he's gonna finish what he started. And then the fourth hot spot of hope, and this is where we're in, gonna end and then I'm gonna pray over you, is he's not done yet, hope. <laughs> he's not done yet, hope. He's, he's not done with your life. He's not finished. Some of you just need to say that to yourself. Right now, you need to say to yourself, He's not done. He's not finished with me. This isn't the end. This is the middle of the story. I mean, how how silly would, would we think somebody would be that if we told them a movie is amazing, there's a film you need to go see, and they cut it off midway and then came to us and said, that was an awful film. That was terrible. Well, did you watch the whole thing? No, no, no. I, it was so bad, I just turned it off. Well, <laughs> but the... What makes the film good is not where it is in the middle. What makes the film amazing is where it ends. And I want to tell you, you need to connect to he's not done yet. Hope. That's what you need. He is not done with you. He is not done with me. He's not done with Ramp Church. He's not done with Manchester. He is still working on us. Look at this in Genesis chapter 50. I read this a few weeks ago, but I love it so much I want to read it again. Joseph replied, don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't you see? These are people that betrayed him in his life. You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans, those same plans, those same plans for my good. You're looking at the plans as if that's the the end of your story, but God isn't done yet and he's going to use the same plans for your good. That is a hope hotspot for you. He's not done yet. Hope. God doesn't cause pain, but God uses pain. God didn't cause Jesus' death, but he sure used it for you and for me, for us. He's not done yet. You need to connect to the hotspot of he's not done yet hope. Look what, the, look what Hebrews says about Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2. We are looking to Jesus now. Jesus founded our faith, but he, he's not satisfied just starting it. He's going to perfect it. He's going to perfect your faith. That's, that's what's in his sights. That's what Hebrews is trying to say here. He doesn't just start things. He finishes things in your life. He's not done yet. Look at Romans 5. Two through five. Some of you can live in Romans five in this season. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward. Do you know what I want to, I just want to invite you into today to confidently and joyfully look forward. You look forward. Why? Because he's not done yet. He's not done yet. The the, the future is better than the past. Your future is better than your past. Your future is better than your past. Are you hearing me? Your future is better than your past. And your past and your issues and your hangups and your challenges don't define you because Jesus is the one who authors and finishes your faith confidently and joyfully look forward. What are you looking forward to? Just the best version of yourself? No, look at this. You're confident looking forward to sharing God's glory. You have a part in God's glory. That's what you're looking forward to. And this hope, 
The hope that you have, the hope hotspots you're connecting to, will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us, look at the next part of this verse, because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Ram Church, this is my heart for you today. My heart for you is that you can connect to these sources of hope in your life. That the thing you remember on the other side of this season and for years to come, because we'll always remember, our, our grandkids are going to ask us, tell me about what happened in 2020 in the middle of lockdown. And, but this is the thing you're going to remember. You're going to remember not just the trial, you're going to remember the hot spots of hope you found. You're going to remember that he's said it. You're going to remember that he's already started. He's guaranteed. You're going to remember that he's done it before. You're going to remember that he's not done yet of this season. And I want to declare just an infusion of hope today that as you're searching heart, as you're, just as our iPhone, and you're searching for where do I connect to, where do I find hope, and you're flipping through pages, that today you see one of these hotspots come up on your screen. And, and when you connect, you find a source of hope that you can't find anywhere else. I want to pray over you today that you find this place of connection. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you haven't left us alone. Thank you that you've given us your word. You've given us your reputation. You've given us your, pack, your past acts. You've given us each other to see what you're doing in each other's lives. And you're giving us the promise, the guarantee of your spirit that you will finish what you've started. I pray for, for an eruption of hope all around Ramp Church today, that, that Father, um, where phones have been searching, our hearts have been searching for this connection, this hope hotspot. I pray today that connections are made, connections are made, connections are made, and hope is birthed in the heart of your people today. In Jesus' name. Those of you that, are, that, are, that today maybe you want to make the decision to, to, to to make Jesus the center of your life, maybe for the first time, or maybe it's been a long, long time since you've been in relationship with him. I want to pray for you. Um, this is the best decision you'll ever make. And I think in seasons like this, all of us can agree, like we talked about earlier, things that, we, that seem stable are just proving unstable. And I want to tell you today, he, he is unchanging through every season. He's the same. But the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's something that can be trusted in and hoped in. And I want to lead you into just into a prayer that's just going to start that journey in a fresh way. There's more to come. You need to stay connected to Ramp Church. You need to come back next week. You need to get a part of a home group. Why? Because that's about staying connected to the hotspot that you found. But today can start that journey. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you. Just repeat after me. For, for revealing yourself in my time of need. Thank you for the hope that I can't find anywhere else. I turn my back on every other source of hope in my life, and I connect to you. And I ask you to, 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 to found, to author, and to perfect my faith. And I want to start today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.